Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. In my experience, it's a lot easier to say, I will not fear, than it is to not be afraid. Anyone here ever been afraid? Anyone here, and you don't have to raise your hand. If you want to, you can, but you don't have to. Anyone afraid today? Fear. Man, Howard Thurman called it a hound of hell for those whose backs are against the wall. Thurman, who was an amazing theologian, uh, scholar, teacher, pastor, one of the mentors for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., an early civil rights leader. He, he talked about the power of fear to dehumanize those whose backs are against the wall, the folks on the margins of society, on the fringes. Uh, the people we're talking about in this series that Pastor Chip started last week, Easter on the Margins, and and. Thurman said Jesus and everyone, all of the Jewish folks in Israel at Jesus' day had their backs against the wall, but it's an interesting dynamic that even, you know, you would think with folks whose backs are against the wall that that would unite everyone whose backs are against the wall, but even people whose backs are against the wall find other people to say, no, thank you. I'm not sure there has been a person in history whose back was more against the wall than this leper that Jesus healed in this story that Theron read. The translation that I picked uses the phrase, used the phrase skin disease. The Greek word is lepra, and, and it's the word we get leprosy from. And if we want to see just how afraid this man was, just how much his back was against the wall. We really need to understand this disease. It's a disease with multiple dimensions, this disease of leprosy. Leprosy is, first of all, it's a physical disease. It's a physical disease. If you want to read some more detailed descriptions of the physical disease, look at Leviticus chapter 13. There's some detailed descriptions in there of what it looked like, maybe a little bit of what it felt like skin conditions that went more than just superficial, just more than just a stain on the skin, something that went down deep. It was a physical disease. But it wasn't, like so many diseases, it wasn't just a physical disease. From the perspective of the folks in the first century world, leprosy was not just a physical disease, it was also a spiritual disease. If you had leprosy, you weren't just sick, there was something wrong with you. 
There was something wrong with this leper. There was something broken in him, some immorality, some sin that, that not only was his physical disease, not only could it contaminate other people physically, his spiritual disease could contaminate the whole community spiritually. His moral disease could drag the whole community down. We know they thought it was a spiritual disease and a moral disease because that's what the Bible said it was. Leviticus chapter 14. I'm going to read you a few verses from there. These are verses written, uh, instructions given for those who were being healed from their leprosy. If it cleared up, if it got better, how they could be reintegrated into the community, into the life of the rest of the folks around them. It said this, and, and the language, I wanted to pick a translation for this one that used the word leprosy. A lot of the modern translations say skin disease. Um, but we're talking about good news for a leper today. And, and so there was a trade-off. The translation that used leprosy also used gender-exclusive language. So all of this is he, this applies to everyone. And he shall kill the lamb in the place where they kill the sin offering and the burnt offering in the place of the sanctuary. If your leprosy cleared up, you had to offer offerings at the temple, sacrifices, animal sacrifices to be reintegrated into the rest of the community. For the guilt offering, like the sin offering, belongs to the priest. It is most holy. The priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering and the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. And the priest shall offer the sin offering to make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. And afterwards he shall kill the burnt offering. But if he is poor and cannot afford so much, then he shall take one male lamb for a guilt offering to be waived to make atonement for him. And a tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering and a log of oil. Also two turtle doves and two pigeons, whichever he can afford. The one shall be a sin offering and the other a burnt offering. If you were a leper, you were a sinner. And your spiritual disease contaminate the community such that even if once the physical leprosy was healed, you still had to make sacrifice, make atonement for the brokenness in your soul and your spirit. You were a broken person and you could not be allowed around the rest of us, if you're a leper. Leprosy was a physical disease. Leprosy was a spiritual disease. And because it was a physical disease in which people feared physical contamination of a physical illness and a spiritual disease in which the community feared spiritual and moral contamination from this person, it was also a social disease. A social disease. Let's look at Leviticus 13. How do you treat the person? How... Let's be clear. How does the Bible say you treat the person who has leprosy? This was the only Bible they had. The New Testament was being lived, not written yet. This was the only Bible they had. And the Bible said, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. That's what the Bible said. This is a social disease. If you were a leper, not only, well, let's do one more piece here. 
Leprosy was a physical disease. It was a spiritual disease. It was a social disease. And the reality is, though, leprosy might not even have been a disease. Maybe just a rash. Now, we know, well, we know that in ancient Israel, when Moses first handed down these laws about how to treat lepers, that the Hebrew word was used for a whole variety of skin conditions. Again, check out Leviticus 13 if you want to read some descriptions of those various conditions. We have no record. We do not know whether the disease that is often referred to as leprosy today, more specifically known as Hansen's disease, which is, was then a terminal illness and, and a very debilitating, horrific thing to have. We don't know whether there was any of that in ancient Israel when Moses was handing this down. We do know that during Jesus' day in the Roman Empire, Hansen's disease was a thing. There had been accounts of it and reports of it and people that had that. So leprosy, what this man had, this leper that came to Jesus, may not have been a disease at all, or it might have been a horribly disfiguring, highly contagious disease. We don't know. And neither did anyone else then. I'm going to assume Jesus knew. But nobody else knew, and Jesus apparently wasn't telling anybody because we didn't figure this out until years later. He might have been physically contagious and a death threat to everyone around him, or he might have had nothing more than a bad rash. But the outcome was the same. The people whose backs were against the wall said, you can't hang out with us, you go outside the city. You stay away from us. You dress different, you act different, you talk different, you look different, you sound different, so that we won't even get near you by accident. Stay away. Stay away. You're rotten inside and out. I don't want you around my family. I don't want you in my neighborhood. I don't want you in my church. I don't want you in my community. I don't want you at the school. I don't want you where I work. Get out. Get out. Leper. Get out. It's what the Bible says. Fear. The lepers learned. Thurman says people that live with their backs against the wall, fear stalks them like a hound from hell, debasing them, degrading them, dehumanizing them. They learn to keep their heads down. They learn to keep out of people's way. They adjust how they talk, how they think, how they act, how they behave, how they interact with other people because the threat of violence against which they have no legal recourse, no political recourse, that threat of violence is always there. And the only way to maybe keep it at bay is just to stay out of everybody's way. And the fear that the lepers felt dehumanized them. You're not really a human like those folks. So don't act like it. Don't act like one of them. Because you're not. You're not. Thurman says, through bitter experience, the weak everywhere have learned how to exercise extreme care 
how to behave so as to reduce the threat of immediate danger, fear thus becomes a form of life assurance, making possible the continuation of physical existence with a minimum of active violence. But this fear, which originally serves as a safety device, as a, as a protective mechanism, finally becomes death for the self. This leprosy, whether it was Hansen's disease or something else, was deadly regardless. We need to understand this. How far outside on the margins this man was. How reduced he was in humanity. To really even begin to wrap our brains around what Jesus did for him. See, the blessing of healing that Jesus gave him was not just a physical blessing. As miraculous as that sort of thing is, just having his physical body healed was just a fraction of the blessing. That healing meant relationships restored. It meant community restored. It meant his spiritual life restored. It meant reconciliation with his God, with his family, with his fellow human beings. It meant all of those things. It meant this restoration, this removal of the physical contamination, of the spiritual contamination and the social contamination. It meant reconciliation of all of these things that he had lost. This was the blessing that Jesus gave this man. I gotta say, I didn't talk about this the first time in the nine o'clock service. It just popped into my head, so I'm gonna talk about it now. There's this mysterious little thing in here where Jesus, after he heals the man, he says, Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. He did. We'll get to that in a minute. But Jesus said, Don't. Scholars have debated endlessly why Jesus told him not to tell anybody. Here's another thing we don't know why Jesus told him not to tell. We don't know. We, Jesus never explained that. Happened on more than one occasion. We have lots of speculations, some educated, some otherwise, but we don't know. But what we do know is this. What we do know is this. That Jesus was not interested in gaining fame or celebrity by touching and healing this leper. He was not standing there with his Instagram photographer or TikTok videographer in the background going, Heart, hands, lepers, hashtag touch the leper. He was not doing that. Jesus was not doing this for himself. He was doing it for the man. Whose back was against the wall. Who no one wanted around. Who was rejected and excluded and loathed by everyone in good and proper society. Jesus did it for him. And he did it. He did it in a way that he didn't have to do it. We know of other accounts where Jesus healed. He wasn't even in the same neighborhood as the people he was healing. There was another account where he healed 10 people with leprosy. And, and they never came close to him except one dude came back to say thanks. But Jesus, this man comes to Jesus in the city. Again, hear this. This man who everyone who knew him said he's spiritually broken, he's morally bankrupt, and now he's violating the Bible. 
He broke the rules of the Bible when he came into the city to find Jesus. He wasn't putting his hand over his lip. He wasn't shouting out unclean. He didn't, we don't know whether, whether he had a cloak on to cover up it. We don't know, but we know that he wasn't supposed to be in the city. And he was supposed to identify himself, and he didn't do those things. And Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't say, hey, man, the Bible says you're not supposed to be here. Jesus didn't say, get outside the city. If I want to heal you, I'll come heal you out there. Jesus didn't even say, hey, you didn't need to come in here. You and all your leper friends, just stay out there. I'll heal you from afar. We don't want to contaminate the good folks. Jesus didn't do any of those things. Jesus touched him. He put his hands on him. Not because he needed to do that to heal the man. Jesus touched him because we needed him to do that so that we can be healed too. Jesus touched him to show everybody, to show that leper and everybody in that city who was watching him, his disciples who wouldn't have wanted to touch a leper and wanted to stay away from him, his enemies who were looking for reasons to criticize him for not following the rules of the Bible, and, and, and everybody in between, Jesus said, this man, this leper is safe with me. He's safe with me. You're safe with me, Jesus said. Not only am I not scolding you, not only am I not condemning you, not only am I not going to do what the Bible says and kick you out of the city, I'm going to embrace you, I'm going to receive you, you are safe with me. You're safe. You're healed. And the man went out and told people, yeah, he violated the Bible. He might as well go against what Jesus said too, right? And all these other folks are now coming to Jesus. As I said, if the leper's safe with Jesus, then I'm safe with Jesus. If Jesus is safe for him, he's safe for me. And they all came. They all came. And Jesus healed them. He received them like he received this leper. Thurman said that the antidote for those whose backs are against the wall, the antidote to the fear is to have a firm grip on the reality that you are a child of God and a person of worth. Everything in this man's environment, everything socially he'd ever heard, everything spiritually he'd ever been taught, said you are no longer part of God's family. You are out of the community. You're out of the church. You're out of the neighborhood. You're out of your family. You're out of the city. You're away from everybody. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. This man is my brother. I'm going to touch him. I know he's sick. He might even be contagious. I'm going to touch him. He's my brother. This too is a child of God. Right here. Right here. Now, if lepers are safe with Jesus, that leaves us with a question as folks who say we are followers of Jesus. And that question is this, what are we doing to demonstrate 
that the lepers are safe with us. Folks can't see Jesus anymore. You can't go to the city and say, oh, there's Jesus. Let him touch me. I need to touch. I need someone to tell me I'm still human. Jesus gave that job to us. Are we demonstrating? How are we demonstrating that lepers are safe with us? Thurman points something out in his book that may not be immediately obvious. is that fear works both ways in this political power dynamics. The powerless person, fear is a, is a, is a safeguarding mechanism to just keep their life free, as free from violence and death as possible. But fear goes the other direction too. The powerful fear fear, or feel, the powerful feel fear anytime the powerful are segregating and excluding certain people from our group. And what they fear is contamination. I mean, there's a reason why they're segregated, right? There's a reason why we don't let them into our schools, right? There's a reason why we don't want them in the church. There's a reason why we don't want them in the neighborhood. There's a reason why we don't want them at youth group or a kids club. We don't want them to contaminate us or our kids. We're afraid. Who knows what they're carrying? These dangerous attitudes, these, these dangerous thoughts, these unbiblical ways of doing things. Now, I, I, had a, I had a little war within myself at this point in my sermon preparation. I'm going to share it with you. His church. Part of me said, you need a list right here, Scott. You need a list. You need the list so because who's around an actual leper these days, right? And... and uh, uh, I, I would say we're done with the days of excluding people uh, uh, and declaring physical illness as a sign of moral or spiritual problems, but AIDS is not that far in the past. And we had some of that same attitude with COVID too. So, so we haven't escaped that. Not come as far maybe as we think we have. So I need a list of 21st century lepers so that we can, we can contemporize this and think about it in our context. But I had two problems with doing that that, that came up in my head too. Um, one of the problems with this is I'm going to leave someone or some group off of that list. And by doing that, I'm going to just reinforce their own sense of being marginalized and being excluded. What are you saying? I... I me, my group, we're not worthy of being touched by Jesus. I don't want to do that, not even by accident. Second problem with me making a list is I'm going to get someone on that list or some group on that list that's going to lead some or all of y'all here to say, I can't believe he said them. I can't even listen anymore. I'm gone off now mad about them, and they can't be on the list because I know Jesus doesn't want them here. I know Jesus doesn't want them in my house. I know Jesus doesn't want them with my kids in kid space or in the youth group or a kids club. I know that. So if, if Blevins is putting them on the list, Blevins has got it. He's off his rocker. I can't even listen anymore. Get the band back up here. I can understand wanting the band back up here. That's for sure. 
So here's what we're going to do. Rather than me making one long list, each of us in here is going to make a really short list. You think of the folks that if I put them on that list, you would say, not them, that's your list. That's your list. Those are your lepers. Those are them. How are we, as the body of Jesus Christ on this earth now, demonstrating that those folks are safe with us? That's hard. Like saying, don't be afraid. I mean, the reality is no one wants to be around sick folks, right? I'm on a date myself here. That's a weird expression. I just thought of that. How do you date yourself? I don't know. If you've really failed on Tinder, maybe, I don't know. So, um, I love musical theater. I remember the first, I, I have vague memories of the first time I saw West Side Story on TV years and years and years ago. Oh my goodness, special effects have gotten so much better. And I remember two things about that. Just, Maria, I, I don't remember anything else from the song from that first time seeing it. But I remember one line. I don't know why this has stuck with me so much. It's so weird what sticks in my brain. But this stuck in my brain for so many years. One line from the song, G. Officer Krupke. You, who, who's seen the musical, heard the musical? You know, anyone, if you like four people, all right. They just did a new one a couple years ago. Come on. There's one line. If you've seen it, you know what it is already. G. Officer Krupke, I'm down on my knees. No one wants a fella with a social disease. Those lyrics written in the 1950s are just as true today, and they were just as true 2,000 years ago and 4,000 years ago. The simple reality is there are some people that we just don't want to be around because we are afraid that they will hurt us, that they will make us sick, that they will take something from us, that they will contaminate our family or our school or our culture or our country or whatever. No one wants a fella with a social disease. But Jesus, when he sent his disciples out on their very first mission, among other things, he said to them, specifically, heal the lepers. That's our mandate. We don't get to say, no, anyone but them, Jesus. Please, anyone but them. And Jesus is like, they're at the table too. It's really not your church. It's really not your school. It's really not your country. When I look down from heaven, I don't see lines on the earth. It's my world. They're my children. And if you're really going to be Jesus' body, if you're going to be my son in the flesh on this earth now, you need to find ways to demonstrate to those folks that they're safe with you too. They're safe with you too. I'm almost done here. I'm almost done. It's hard. Like that video. Fear not. Fear is just a shadow. It's just a mirage. It feels a heck of a lot more than that when you're in it. 
It's hard to do this. It's not an accident, I believe. A lot of times, preachers, teachers, even Bible translations, they will, they will chop off the last verse that, that we had read today. Where you know, All these folks coming. The leper told them. They all said, hey, if he's safe with Jesus, we're safe with Jesus. Let's get to Jesus. Same thing. I'm just going to say the same thing would happen with us. When lepers know they're safe with us, how are you going to feel if a whole crowd of those folks in your head right now show up next Sunday? What if there's more of them than there are of us? How do we do that? All of this healing, all of these folks coming, all in violation of social norms and standards and conventions of even biblical laws. All of this happening. And what's Jesus do? He has to get away by himself and pray. We will not be able to do this without prayer. And, and as much as I love and I am so thankful for and I thank God for the ministry of House of Prayer, it's not just them that need to pray. It's all of us. We cannot do this. You cannot embrace that leper in your head. The one you're mad. You cannot do that without spending some serious time in prayer because our hearts have to change too. Because there is so much pressure, so much normative ideas from culture and society and upbringing and family and Bible and teaching and all of these things, so much of that stuff, it's so hard to break free from at times. And we can't do it without prayer. We cannot do it unless we're nurturing that relationship with the Holy Spirit. A friend of mine said, for him on these kinds of things, it's like, I'm afraid to do it, but I'm more afraid of God if I don't do it. If that's what it takes to get away by ourselves and pray. That leper was safe with Jesus. Jesus demonstrated that to him and everybody who was watching by touching him in front of everybody before he was healed. And I think Jesus says to us, how are you, my people, my body, how are you demonstrating that your lepers are safe with you? In Jesus' name, amen.